0: Welcome to the Vineyard Altoona podcast. If you have any questions or just want more information, you can visit our website at vineyardaltuna.org or any of our social media platforms at Vineyard Altoona. And now, here's Jerry with the message. I like to start with a little interaction. So I'm wondering how many of you eat breakfast every morning? Show of hands most important meal of the day? Not very many. That's not half, I don't think. Well, uh, in the Heilman house, three-fourths of us eat breakfast every morning. I'll let you guess which one doesn't eat breakfast every morning. Um, And because it's like we're going to school and my kids, if you know them, they can be a little bit pokey, um, we have three options. So in the Heilman house in the morning, you can have oatmeal, you can have eggs, or you can have a smoothie. Okay. So just setting up the scene here. What happened this one Tuesday morning a couple weeks ago was that, well, what has been happening is that my kids are getting later and later getting up in the morning. It used to be in August, man, the alarm clock goes off, they're dressed, they're downstairs, they're ready, but it's November. And so that's not what's happening. Um, And so this was a later day. And It was a Tuesday. What you have to know is that on Tuesdays in my house is laundry day and my kids wear uniforms. So there's specific clothes that they have to wear to school. It's laundry day. So we're running around the house looking for socks because there's specific socks that they have to wear to school. And if you're Eden, there's a specific white sock that you like to wear to school. Okay, so this is like what's happening in the morning. Finally, we find the socks. Everyone is socked, not yet chewed but I am making breakfast, today it's eggs. So I had recently just gotten an egg shaker at Ikea that I was like, okay, this is gonna make my mornings a little bit easier. So I'm using my egg shaker for the first time, shaking the eggs, I'm like, okay, we're gonna make it, it'll be fine, we're not gonna miss the bus. My finger slips off the lid of the egg shaker, and I shake it, and there are eggs all over the wall, all over the counter, So this is where I'm at. And I'm like, okay, it's fine. I'm gonna, when they're eating their eggs, I'm gonna make some more eggs. I'm doing all this in my brain. When they're eating, I'll clean up. I'll just leave this here for now. So I get the next two eggs, but I'm like, I'm not gonna use the shaker. I'll just put them in the pan, scramble them in the pan. So I'm doing all this really quickly. Get the eggs in the pan. Okay, we're gonna have breakfast. And then I turned to like get the spatula and I knocked over... The egg carton, which I had left open, so now the remainder of the eggs are on the floor broken. That was my Tuesday morning a couple weeks ago. And so my response was to collapse in a heap on the floor <laughs> and begin crying. And Eli's at the, at the table, and he's like, oh, Mom, there's eggs everywhere, all over my kitchen. It was a disaster. Um, and I was tired, and I was frustrated, and I was in a heap on the floor crying. Have you ever felt like that? I see some head nods. Yes, thank you, honest people. I think we've all felt like that some days, at least most of us have. And if you haven't, you probably stuffed a lot of things that need attention. So I'll just just give that little post there. We all should feel like that sometimes, I think, if we're feeling the things. And when we get this way, tired and frustrated and overwhelmed, often we think, well, it's the work. Like, if I didn't have all this work to do, then everything would be better if I were independently wealthy and didn't have to work or didn't have to do all this stuff. But the thing is, is that part of being human, by design, we're designed to work. God created us to do things. We were designed to co-create with God. So part, it's not the work. Part of being human is to work. And have you ever met someone who doesn't really understand the purpose of their work? Who like does their job, but doesn't really see how it benefits anybody or why they're doing it. Those people are often miserable, If not at home, then certainly at work, they're miserable because we have to connect the purpose. As humans, we also are designed for purpose. So I recently heard this story about Christopher Kempster, who you've probably never heard of. He was um, a stonemason and he helped build St. Paul's Cathedral in London. And so the architect for St. Paul's Cathedral was Sir Christopher Wren. And so it took 40 years to build this giant cathedral in London. And what I heard is that someone came to Christopher Kempster, who was the stone mason, and said to him, how did you like every day go and just chisel stone for 40 years every day, day after day? How did you do that? Why did you keep doing that? And he said, well, I knew that I wasn't just chiseling stone, that I was helping Sir Christopher Wren build a cathedral for God. So to me, wasn't tedious work day after day, he knew that he was a part of something really big, and that it was to honor God. And so he was happy to do his part of this big hole. It wasn't just that he was carving stone, he was doing something more, something beyond what he could see. And so today, we're going to continue to talk about the kingdom of God we've been talking about for a few weeks, and the fact that every single one of us has a role to play in the kingdom of God. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, we just acknowledge that you are here and moving and active. God, we ask you to come and speak to our hearts and even enliven our hearts, God. Would you speak directly to the places in us that need your touch? I pray that whatever is me would go and that you would shine bright through me, Lord. We love you and we trust you. Amen. So we're going to pick up where Derek left off a few weeks ago where he talks about John the Baptist being in prison. And John the Baptist, you know, Jesus comes on the scene and John the Baptist sends his disciples to Jesus to say, are you the Messiah or should we wait for someone else? Because John is sort of like, what is happening? Jesus is doing things differently than what everyone expected him to do. And so Jesus tells the disciples, go tell John what you see. He said, the blind see, the dead are raised, the poor have good news brought to them. And then Jesus goes on to talk about the kingdom of heaven. And we're going to pick it up there in Matthew chapter 11. We're going to start with verses 11 through 19. So if you want to click there or I think it'll be on the screen. And this is what Jesus says. <clears throat> Truly I tell you, among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist. Yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John came, and if you're willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. Let anyone with ears listen. But to what will I compare this generation? It's like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another, we played the flute for you and you did not dance. We wailed and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. So here's Jesus saying, John the Baptist was pretty great, right? And he says, up until now, no one's been greater than John the Baptist. But he says, even the least in the kingdom of heaven will be greater than John the Baptist. Up until now, up until the time of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God has been taken by force, and that's what they were expecting. The powerful will come and rule, and that's what everyone thought the Messiah was going to do. That's what had been happening up until then, and so it made sense that that's what people thought was going to happen. And he says, if you're willing to believe it, John the Baptist really is the one who was coming to prepare the way for Messiah. He'd been setting the stage. But then at the end of verse 11, he says, yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than him. So he says, yes, John the Baptist was strong and powerful. He was a mighty warrior for God, but he was not yet operating in the power of the kingdom of God. And this was the understanding that people were operating with. The kingdom of God is going to come by force. And Jesus comes and initiates a new way for the kingdom to come and he says if you're under this new way of the kingdom of god you're even greater than the one who's been the greatest so far are you with me and this is the nature of the kingdom of god everyone is invited previously it would in order to pick a king they would pick the strongest the The oldest usually, the one who was the most handsome, but the kingdom of God, Jesus came and flipped everything on its head. And so even the lowliest can do great things when working in the power of the kingdom of God. Every single person, everyone that I can see right now, and even the ones who are up there, up in the kids ministry who I can't see, is invited. Every child, every Democrat, every Republican, every person with a disability, every teacher, mother, student, grandmother, criminal is invited in the kingdom of God. So let's read a little further down starting with verse 25. It continues, at that time Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So Jesus thanks God that he hides things from the wise. I think that's sometimes confusing to us that God would hide things. But what Jesus knows is that we can't bring the kingdom of God in our own power or in our own understanding. It's only those who are willing to put their own need for success or their own need to have people like them down in order to pick up what God is offering them and to work in the power of the kingdom of God. And we can't, nobody can know God except through Jesus. The kingdom of God comes through the king, Jesus. And so no one can know God except through him. No one can know how to get to God, how to become more like God, or even what the purpose of your own life is, except through Jesus. And we hear lots of things like, do you, or do what makes you happy, but the truth is we don't even know what that is. Often we think we do, but Jesus reveals those things to us. Have you ever tried to teach someone something who thought that they already knew it? (laughs) Some of you have. It's really hard to do that. And so Jesus says, God, I thank you that you've hidden things from these people who would take a hold of it and do it their own way, but you reveal it to people who will walk with humility in order to operate in the kingdom of God. We need to be humble and teachable. And so often we trust our own understanding of things, right, more than anything else. Even for faith, we struggle to believe in God's goodness or God's willingness to heal because we don't understand it. But we get it so backwards. We think, oh, I have to understand and then I can believe. But two of the most influential fathers of Christianity said similar things about this. St. Augustine said, I believe in order to understand. And St. Anselm of Canterbury said, just like that, he said, I do not seek to understand in order that I may believe, but I believe in order to understand. True understanding of the things of the kingdom of God only come after we believe. I think that doesn't really make sense to us because so often we will do things if we understand them, but the kingdom of God comes through belief first and faith in Jesus and his ability to enliven the kingdom of God in us. And then he reveals the understanding. It's not a natural way of learning things. God reveals truth to us. We can't get it on our own. We need to be willing to trust in what he says is true more than what we understand. And that can be really hard for us. The kingdom of ga- God casts a wide net and everyone is invited, but God doesn't force us. He doesn't force his ways on us. He gives us free will and we can't love him without that free will. Free will is never, our love is never forced. It's only love if it's chosen. But we need to be willing to be low and ask for help Willing to not have all the answers and be humble, Jesus says, like an infant. So if you think of a baby, no baby thinks they know everything, right? No baby has a problem and is like, oh, guys, don't worry. I'll change my own diaper. I will get myself some food and I will bathe myself. I don't need you. No, when babies have a problem, they cry. And basically, a baby crying is asking for help. They trust that if I just make people know that I have an issue, someone will come and help me. Jesus said we need to be like infants. But so often we do think we know how to do everything, right? Or that we should be doing everything. So often we think, oh, nope, I got this. No, thank you. I got it. I'll do this and I'll just make sure it works. I'll make it happen. But Jesus said we need to be like infants. So often we try to move faster, and we work harder, and we end up splattering eggs all over the kitchen, right, or whatever that means to you. Or maybe we get easily frustrated and we yell at the people we love most, or we come home and we disappear into Netflix or whatever the thing is that we, that we do to disconnect because we're just trying to, like, cope, right? And we think it's the work. We think it's, if we didn't have to work. But like I said before, humans are made for work. To co-create with God, to be a part of his kingdom coming to earth. That's part of our purpose and we're all invited. But in reality, I think many of us are either working at the wrong things or working in the wrong way. I was certainly working in the wrong way when I threw eggs all over my kitchen, <laughs> too fast, too hard. Listen to what Jesus says to the crowd around him. And I want you to think about, I'm going to tell you a little bit about who he was talking to at this moment. Okay. So if you can imagine, as, as we've been saying this whole series, basically Jesus came and threw a wrench into everyone's plan. People expected the Messiah to look a certain way. So Jesus is talking to the crowd and imagine that you're a Jew OK, And so what is happening around you is that you have been expecting someone to come and save you from this oppression. This person is going to come and put your the chosen people um, in power so that you can live an easier life. That's what you're expecting, but Jesus doesn't seem to be doing those things. What Jesus seems to be doing is talking to children and healing the sick, people that the Jews weren't even supposed to touch. Jesus is going to those people. So imagine you're a Jew and you're like, this is the Messiah? What is happening? Imagine that you're a Gentile. So you maybe are the people now in charge. And John the Baptist is coming and saying, Messiah is coming. And you're thinking, oh, Messiah is going to put the Jews in charge. And that actually might be bad for me. (laughs) Not really sure how I feel about that. These are the people that Jesus is talking to in the moment. And he says all of this into that anxiety. Jesus speaks directly to their anxiety and I think through it can speak to ours where we feel so frustrated and confused and worried. Into that context, he says, come to me. All You who are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden light. He says, come here. Can you imagine, like, the picture to me is just Jesus opening his arms like a friend, like a father, saying, come here, come to me, and I'll teach you how to do it. It puts tears in my eyes thinking about it. I love the way that the message puts it specifically, This same verse that I just read. It says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. So Jesus sees these people who are trying and working really hard to figure out what's happening. They're spinning their wheels and they're fighting. And he, you would think, he says, come and I'll teach you how to rest. And you would think he's going to offer them like a two-week vacation or something, right? Rest. But no, he says, come and work with me. He doesn't say, go sit on the couch." He doesn't even say, go take a nap. Now, don't get me wrong. Naps are holy. Do not mishear me. (laughs) These things are very important. Um, But that's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, I will teach you how to work so that it is rest. So that it brings you life. So that it draws you closer to me. And that's not to say that it won't sometimes be hard because there's another player on the field. The enemy hates us and especially hates it when we're walking in line with what God has for us. But Jesus gives us strength even for those moments. He created us and knows what work we are created for. And really, it takes all of us, all of us, doing the work that we were created for to get where God is intends us to go. I think God has big vision for this community. I think God has big vision for the vineyard. And a couple weeks ago, Evan talked about um, his shop being a kingdom outpost. And I think that's what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be an outpost for the kingdom where people, people around who are treading water and drowning and don't know where to look can come and find life. But it takes us all doing our part to be able to do that. In the vineyard, the the big vineyard, um, we like to say everyone gets to play. And what that means is that you don't have to be a pastor. You don't even have to be a leader. We believe that every single Christian has a role to play in the kingdom. You can pray for the sick. You can volunteer in kids' ministry. You can do all the stuff that Jesus does and calls us to do. Um, we're all invited, every one of us. But I would say that in order to get where God has called us to go, everyone has to play. We need you. We need each other. Following Jesus is not a spectator sport. It's just not. And there's something in the work of co-creating with God that transforms who we are. It's not just about what we're doing for and to the other people. It's about how that changes our heart, how that aligns our heart more with God as we work with him. And we can feel him working in and through us. There's nothing like that. There's no feeling on earth like doing exactly what God has called you to do and having him work through you. If you've experienced that, you know. It's like nothing else. And so for the moment... When we, for, for whatever reason, because we're working in our own strength or we're moving too quickly or working at the wrong things, we have people around us, the church, to encourage us and to help us along and say, hmm, how's that going? I'm not, that doesn't seem right. Or you seem really overwhelmed or what's happening there? It's a misnomer. It's completely ludicrous to think that you can do Jesus' life by yourself you can't. You are meant to be in community. The Godhead, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit exist in community. That is the nature of God. And so everything that God does is relational. When God calls you to work and co-create with him in his kingdom, that is relational between you and God and between you and the rest of the community. We need each other. And so after the great egg debacle of 2021, when I was in a heap on the floor, my son was sitting at the table and he said, "'Mom, what's wrong?' And I told him, which was basically just like, I threw eggs all over the floor (laughs) and I'm really overwhelmed and frustrated. I feel like I have a lot to do, I think is what I said. And he was like, well, you know, you just have to take one thing at a time. And I was like, that's good advice. (laughs) you are right. And then shortly after that, Eden came downstairs and she saw me on the floor and she just prayed for me. And so in that moment, I was able to stand up and clean up the eggs and I just felt so um, so gifted that I get to be able to work in the kingdom alongside my kids who know how to do this stuff. And so if that's not an example of everyone gets to play, like I Classically, the mom is supposed to be the one who can do all the things, but my eight-year-old daughter helped me get up off the floor so I could do what I needed to do because she has the Holy Spirit inside of her, and she knows that. We all get to play, which is why we think it's so important what happens with these kids because they can touch people that we even can't. Every single person is invited in the kingdom of God. So maybe you've been working really hard and you're tired. Maybe you've been trusting your own understanding and you're confused. Or maybe you've been sitting on the bench and not using your gifts, either out of fear or maybe someone told you one time that They didn't think you had that gift, or you're not very good at it. Or maybe you just don't even see a space for you to use your gifts. But I believe God is calling us today. I think he's enlivened is the word that I keep hearing. I think he wants to enliven the things that he's put inside of us for his kingdom this morning. And some of those things are things that you've never told anybody. That you sort of are like, it'd be cool if I could do that, but that's not for me. Or I used to do that a long time ago and I really loved it, but I'm not even sure how I get back there. Or maybe God has given you a vision of something that seems way too big for you. The beauty is, that's one way you could know it's God. If it seems like something that you can do in your own power, you should keep praying. <laughs> God gives us things to do, which we need him to do. That's what it means to work in the kingdom. Thank you again for choosing the Vineyard Altoona podcast. We're so excited to see how God will release his kingdom in and through you today for the glory of Jesus Christ. With this, be blessed, and we'll see you next time.